0: This is Fundraising Growth Now, the podcast for arts and cultural organizations wanting to build stronger donor relationships and raise more money. It's part of the RSC Coaching Program and is hosted by founder and CEO Bob Sweeney. For the latest insights and information, join our mailing list at rscfundraising.com. If you're like me, it's been a very busy first few weeks of 2022, and it's been great seeing so many arts organizations ramping back up their operations. To get our podcast started this year, I'm going to outline my thoughts on something we at RSC get questions about almost daily, boards and fundraising. If you've given up trying to engage your board in fundraising or you struggle to see success, this episode is for you. Every productive nonprofit wants an active fundraising board, but so few have them. Why is that? Well, here are a few of the commonly cited reasons as to why board members don't like to fundraise. First, board members weren't recruited with established fundraising expectations. Number two, they don't like fundraising. They may not think they're good at it, or they've never had it defined for them. Number three, they have to rely 100% on their own contacts, which they may not be comfortable with. Number four, they haven't received any coaching on what to do or how to do it when it comes to fundraising. Number five, they did it for another nonprofit where they served and it didn't end well or they just didn't like it. Well, those are common reasons that I think we all hear about. Um, Expectations were set incorrectly or maybe never set at all. And not to discount these, but I believe there are more deeper and more personal reasons why board members don't fundraise many of which are not acknowledged or dealt with normally. Things like they don't want to risk being rejected, or getting involved in fundraising feels all-consuming and it's difficult to integrate into an already busy life, or making time for this is hard, making consistent time for it is even harder. They don't know what to say. They really don't know what to say. There might be a quid pro quo expectation, and therefore they fear that If they go make an ask, that ask is going to get turned around on them. They don't belong to a community of people who they view as approachable for fundraising support. Maybe some of those ring a bell. Um, Maybe they don't. But let's focus on just this overarching sentiment of, I'm not a fundraiser. Because when you boil it down, I think, to its most basic sense, very often that's what it's about. So when I was a kid in eighth grade, which was a long time ago, I remember one particular day during art class, um, we were creating perspective drawings, uh, you know, the something that looked at a scene from a specific perspective to create the illusion of depth. About 10 minutes in, one of my buddies slammed down his pencil and exclaimed, I can't draw! Now, the class broke out in laughter, and and, and I remember it distinctly. My classmate finished the assignment, we all did, he did it to the best of his ability, but I never forgot his pronouncement that he was no good at trying to do something someone else was trying to make him do. And sometimes I feel, maybe you do too, as if board volunteers have a similar yet more mature and reserved response to fundraising as my classmate did to drawing. Yet deep down, I, th- I think many volunteers are just quietly exclaiming, I-, I can't fundraise. On the surface, why should they think otherwise? Asking for money isn't a common nor daily activity for most people. And uh, the unknowns can be frightening. Committing can be frightening. Failure can be frightening. Uh, It may seem a lot easier to just not try. So let's say that you're in charge of fundraising at your arts organization, whatever that might mean. And so let's be fair to the board. How would you like to be thrown into their daily professional job, even with training and reinforcement? And messaging and role playing and information, trying to do their work might be as frightening for you as fundraising is for them. So we hear a lot about fearless fundraising and how to do and, and, and I and I believe in those things. Here's what I conclude though. It's not an intellectual problem for many board members to understand the need and importance for them to personally be involved in fundraising, but rather it's an emotional problem that holds people back from getting and staying involved. So we're asking someone to do something that's uncomfortable and outside of their day-to-day universe. That's not easy, even when you equip them, even when they've tried it before. It's still not easy. So as we move into sort of addressing this now, I want you to remember just a few things. Board members who are successful at fundraising aren't better connected necessarily. They're not smarter. They're not more adventurous. They're not more knowledgeable than board members who don't or haven't done fundraising. People ask for things all day, every day. So all people, all walks of life, people ask for things all day, every day. It's not completely foreign that we might think that asking for fundraising support um, would be outside of someone's boundaries, but it feels different. Let's sort of take this on, let's crack this nut. After all, you know we are in the relationship business. That's what fundraising really is when it's truly done well when we approach board level volunteers, what can be done? And I say, plenty. I'll kind of unpack that now. I'll start with a a macro level response, and then we'll get a little bit more specific in this. But first I say, set the right expectations. Um, What does board fundraising look like in your organization at 30,000 feet? How would you define involvement by the board in fundraising if you were asked? And you probably have been and probably will be asked. Number one, Every board member should be involved in the process of fundraising, but not every board member will be involved in the act of fundraising, and that's okay. It's okay to have a handful of people who are actually asking for gifts and everyone else working on cultivation and stewardship. Number two, in fundraising, uh, the buddy system works pretty well, even on the phone, even in video conferences, where you might have a staff member and a board-level volunteer making the ask. You can shake that combo up any way you want to, but I really like the buddy system when it comes to cultivating, asking, and stewarding support. Number three, if the organization is weak, then fundraising is weak. Board focus should be on creating a strong organization. Fundraising growth doesn't happen in a vacuum. Don't expect money to fix your problems. Without a strong organization, fundraising is monumentally difficult. And money doesn't fix all problems for an institution. Number four, if the development committee doesn't fundraise, who will? I see that as a primary job. Development committees should not necessarily be advisory, and they certainly shouldn't be advisory alone. Uh, that committee should be your core group of askers, and that's one of the tenants that we live by, and the way that we coach clients that, that my firm works with. Number five, you don't have to know everything about an organization to be an effective fundraiser. You do have to know why you are involved and why you want others to be involved. So this idea that we have to know every single thing about the organization to feel comfortable enough to go out and ask, we have to have an answer to every question to go out and ask, uh, to me is foolish um, because it's never going to happen and it's an expectation that nearly no volunteer, board level or not, could ever embrace. More focused, you should decide what you want board volunteer fundraising involvement to to look like, tactically. What what does it feel like? How do you want it to operate? Are they focused on events or annual fund? Are they focused on sponsorships or, or, or something else? Are they working on an endowment campaign or a capital effort? Regardless, they'll need that kind of focus, and it starts with your organization's expectations. So to answer that question, here are some pointers on how to activate your asking group. First, recruit with intentionality. Know exactly who you're going to ask to serve in an in a fundraising asking capacity and why. Start the rest of the group with stewardship. So, and if, if someone's new to asking, you can start them with stewardship. Thanking people, stewarding relationships, getting to know people, sharing commonality for your nonprofit. Those are all really good things. And that, that kind of stewardship not only helps get donors, but it helps keep donors. The next one is limit the volunteer role. Be specific about what they need to know, ask, and say. And so when you have a board level volunteer who, again, might think that they need to know everything, they don't have to know everything. And it's your job as a staff member or a lead volunteer to really make sure that people are equipped with with what to say, how to say it, and what kind of information they might need instead of trying to learn the encyclopedia of your institution. Next, I would say make asks very easy, very simple, very meaningful. Next, I would say start with the easy ones, fellow board members renewals, longtime donors, longtime sponsors. Um, I've seen the mistake many times where uh, volunteers will get together, this asking group will get together, and their job is to go out and raise new money from new donors. And while I don't necessarily have a problem with it, um, a, it's the toughest of all fundraising work. And B, it's not necessarily where I would start volunteers in their journey of successful fundraising with my institution. So keep that in mind. Uh, next, but do focus on growth calls, on fundraising growth calls, renewals that might include an upgrade or bringing back a longtime donor who maybe hasn't been around for the last two or three years. That sort of thing can also help. Um, again, I'll reiterate this idea of buddying up, um, doing things in a team of two. Um, I usually say team of two, not nah, team of three. Three can feel like ganging up. Two seems to be a really good number there. And then next, I would say create the pathway to fundraising success. Know what your story is. Know, uh, n- know what your organization has accomplished, what it's trying to accomplish, how it integrates well into the community. And finally, on this group, I would say, yes, role playing is still A comfortable place uh, for new volunteers, especially, to practice and prepare for a call. And even, I shouldn't limit it to just new volunteers as well, but experienced ones who might be calling on someone who they don't know um, or aren't that familiar with. And they just want to plan and prepare for who's going to say what and how they're going to say it and so forth. Let me jump into that. From a mechanical standpoint, then, focusing on such specifics, when you're getting a volunteer ready to go on a fundraising call... Very simple. Very simple stuff. Who are they going to ask? What are they going to ask for? Why are they asking? What's the focus of the call? Um, What's their own personal story of involvement of giving and volunteering? Um, How much it will be asked for? And what happens after the ask? What happens next? So it's also, I think that's the mechanical part, but it's also best to address the psychology of asking with your board and volunteers. Keep it simple. My coaching to volunteers is also very simple. I want you as a, as a board volunteer, I want you to tell a personal story. People love stories and this makes fundraising easier, more approachable, more fun. And so that's something that, that particularly new uh, volunteers to fundraising can get their arms around. Helping a volunteer build their personal story that's connected to your organization is one of the few things I find to be both simple and easy. If you've never done it before and you'd like to get started, I'm going to give you now some very practical pointers. It's, it's mostly open-ended questions to have your askers work on um, in preparation of a call, but more just preparation of their story that can be used throughout asking and cultivation and stewardship. It's really simple stuff like this. Number one, what attracted you to the organization in the first place? Number two, why did you join the board? Don't give me the yearbook answer. Give me the real answer. Why would you commit multiple years of your life to serve on this board instead of a different board? Number three, what two to three things are you most proud of in this organization? Number four, what is one funny story that comes to mind about your work here, your involvement here, or even something that you might have seen in the lobby or on stage or in the gallery, whatever that might look like? Number five. What's one life-changing story that comes to mind with our institution? Number six, what's one story that brings you joy, or at least makes you laugh or or smile? And number seven, how is your story related to this art form? Did you take dance lessons? Were you ever a musician? Are you a visual artist? Did you sculpt? Those kinds of things that are direct tie-in to the art form in question here. If a volunteer struggles to answer these, because they are wide open questions, um, then let's flip it. That's what I usually do. Don't make it a question, make it an open-ended statement that the board member can finish. I'll give you just a couple of examples here, maybe, maybe three or four, but a few examples would be, finish the sentence, I joined the board because. Number two, the first time I heard an orchestra I'll I'll say, first time I heard an orchestra, I was what? And it made me feel how? And have them complete those sentences for you. Uh, The next one would be, the three things I'm most proud of for our organization is what? Number four, I believe this organization makes an impact on the community because. So you get the idea. Um, But really, this is a a very simple way um, to, to, to help volunteers develop their message It's sort of how we make the sausage obviously asking for support is intimate and personal and so when we fundraise we focus on the balance of facts and figures and feelings but it's still a personal ask so your organization can supply the facts and figures but the board member can help with the feeling by telling their personal story now, uh, granted, different board members will find their balance, um, but the story is still theirs. They, some will be more revealing than, than others, and that's okay. Uh, some will have very personal stories. Some will have business-related stories. It's fine. But let's always remember that, that board members are people first, and while some might be more comfortable with the facts and figures, they can generally each own at least part of the unique story. Uh, about why it's important to them and why they're involved. So as a leader, either by staff or by volunteer, your job is to help tease those stories to the surface. And, and in the end when you' when you're bored and your donors share those stories, um, we strengthen the community of our arts organization. We, we can we can also grow fundraising and we do it in a tremendously satisfying way for everyone involved. So if you remember, just one thing from this particular episode, please remember this, good stories equal good fundraising, so include your board in building wonderful, inspired stories about your organization. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this edition of Fundraising Growth Now. To find previous episodes, to join RSC's mailing list, or to find more information about our client services and success stories, please visit rscfundraising.com.